It is the best-selling book in history. No volume ever written has been more loved and quoted. And its words, sometimes simple and sometimes mysterious, should always be studied carefully. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Welcome to Bible Answers Live, providing accurate and practical answers to all your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor. Hello, listening friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? James Michael Grimes, 28, says he's lucky to be alive after more than 20 hours treading water in the open sea. On November 23, 2020, during a family Thanksgiving vacation, he fell from a cruise ship in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Cruise ships are very tall, so it's amazing the fall itself did not kill him. He does not remember how he fell, just that he woke up in the ocean and there was no boat anywhere in sight. Grimes says, The Lord was with me while I was out there because something was holding me up the whole time I was passed out. My worst fear is drowning, so I was dead set on making it out of there. Grimes says God gave him the strength to stay afloat, and thinking about his nine-year-old daughter gave him determination. His family reported him missing the next morning, but it took hours for the cruise line to search the ship and confirm he was not on board. That's when they contacted the Coast Guard who began searching over a 700-square-mile grid. Now, finding a lone man without a life jacket in the ocean is like looking for a needle in a haystack. Grimes fought hard to survive, swimming through two schools of jellyfish and somehow evaded sharks that normally infest those waters. Eventually, Grimes plucked off all his clothing to make swimming less strenuous. When the sun began to set the next day, having no food or water in 20 hours, he was totally fatigued. When he saw the lights of a container ship approaching, he used his last remaining strength to swim towards the giant vessel. Miraculously, someone on the container ship spotted him, and a message was sent to the nearby Coast Guard search and rescue helicopter. Grimes told the Coast Guard, You're like a guardian angel coming down for me. Other than dehydration, losing 20 pounds and spending four days in ICU, he received no wounds. He said, the Lord was with me all the way, he told reporters. In a way, it was like a 20-hour baptism that drew me closer to God. I know that God saved me for a reason, and now I have to abide by his plan. You know, I'll tell you, Pastor Carlos, that uh, it's really something to think about spending that much time out there in the water, treading water. And the water was 70 degrees, which it's cool. It kind of saps your heat after a while. No, it's... It's amazing, and then to think that he would be in the sun, no, no, no clothes, anything, it's beyond anything I've ever heard before. It, it helped probably that, you know, 28, you're sort of in your prime, and uh, he just used, all the, when the Coast Guard picked him up, they said he probably wouldn't have lasted another 10 minutes. I mean, they got him, he was starting to go under and come up and go under and come up, and uh, so everyone says it really is a miracle that they even spotted him, that the fall did not kill him, that the sharks did not eat him, and that they were able to, to rescue him. And he knows that uh, God saved him for a reason. So I thought it was interesting. He said that it was sort of like a 20-hour baptism. Yeah. 
definitely a divine intervention with everything that was going on. Yeah, makes me think of that verse in the Bible in John chapter three, verse five, where Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so it kind of describes, sometimes you go through a real trial, but it's like a, it's like a new birth. It's like when God brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea, they were, you might say, baptized in the water, and then they were later baptized by a pillar of fire. They needed both baptisms as they were born as a nation. Yeah. And uh, maybe our folks listening have thought about, what is this baptism word? I hear Christians talking about baptism and baptism in the spirit and baptism in the water. What's that all about? I think we got a free offer yes, that talks about that. If you're interested in having the uh, one of the amazing facts lessons called Power and Purity, Power and Purity, you can call 1-800-835-6747 and ask for offer number 121. And you can also dial uh, the pound 250 on your mobile, dial it, do not text it, and say Bible Answers Live or Amazing Facts, and you can ask for this free gift mm -hmm. that is called Power and Purity, and it's a very about the very topic that we're talking about. Yeah, we hope that uh, all our listening friends will request that. And uh, don't forget, we have lines open. If you want to call in with a Bible question, it's simply 1-800-GOD-SAYS. That's 800-463-7297. We are streaming on the Amazing Facts Facebook page. We're streaming on the Doug Batchelor Facebook page. We want to thank our friends on uh, Better Life Television and Good News Network that are broadcasting this. We are on Pray.com during the week. I think they have reruns of the program on Pray.com and as well as uh, Hope Channel and Amazing Facts TV. Amen. So the Lord is blessing. It's becoming uh, as much a TV program as a radio program. And But we're going to go to the phones. Before we do, we always start with prayer. Pastor Carlos. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for this privilege and this honor that you give us to come and open your word and share it with those that are listening and watching. And we just ask that it may be a blessing for them mm -hmm. as it may be a blessing for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Our first caller, Gary from Illinois. Gary, you are live on the air. Welcome, Gary. 2 Thessalonians 2 says that an angel of light will perform signs, powers, and miracles and will deceive all those who love not the truth. And then 2 Corinthians 11 says Satan will appear as an angel of light. Uh, that sounds like the Antichrist to me. Yet some people uh, say that it's a human from Middle East or the Pope. I mean, could you uh, clarify that for me? Yeah, well, when in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is saying that there are false shepherds out there, and he says, don't be surprised that there are false shepherds because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So the devil can come across and he can create the illusion and appear as an angel of light. Now, not only do I think Satan will impersonate Christ in the last days, because Jesus said there'll be false Christs and false prophets, but beyond that, when the devil came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, I don't think that he showed up there in the desert and appeared to Jesus as some uh, goblin with red leotards and bat wings and goat, ho goat hooves and a goatee. Uh, you know, he, he didn't look like the modern medieval concept of a devil. He looked like an angel of light and he pretended he had come from the Father. And so he has done that in the past and he is certainly going to do it again in the future. So hopefully, Gary, is is that answering what you're asking? Well, no. So if Satan is deceiving, deceiving people, 
because of signs, powers, and miracles, that should be the Antichrist. Yet yes. some people say it's the Pope or some somebody from the Middle East, you know, some human. Yeah, well, you can read in Revelation, it tells us that uh, in chapter 16, that out of the mouth of the beast, dragon, false prophet come these three unclean spirits that go forth to the kings of the earth. Uh, they are demons working miracles. And so certainly uh, Satan and his forces are going to be doing miracles to deceive in the last days. Yeah. And in 2 Thessalonians, it says that he, talking about the man of sin, he sits on the throne of God, making himself to be God. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely an allusion to the, uh, to the antichrist power, the one in place of Christ. And so, yes, we do believe that Satan is going to be using this, this power in the end mm -hmm. to deceive. We, we have a, a, a lesson on that. Who's yeah. the Antichrist? But you, we ought to send that to you. Uh, just call the number Carlos is going to give you, Gary. Ask for the lesson on who is the Antichrist. And I think you and anyone listening, if you want to know, you'll be blessed by that. Yeah, the number is 1-800-835-6747. Uh, ask for the study lesson, Who is the Antichrist? Or dial pound 250 and uh, Bible Answers Live or Amazing Facts. Mm -hmm. Yes, very good. Uh, next we have uh, Junith from Nevada. Sister Junith, you are live on the air. Yes, welcome. Hello, hello, good evening. Evening. Hello. I want to say in Hebrew, Baruch Hashem Yum Yum, which is God bless you both. And happy Hanukkah um, to you. Today's the first day of Hanukkah. Oh. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, my question is this. Uh, what could have happened, in your biblical opinion, when uh, Adam and Eve were not uh, tainted in sin by the devil? What would have happened if Adam and Eve had never sinned with the devil? Well, what God is doing, God had an original plan when he made our world. And uh, he is going to fulfill that plan. The whole purpose of the plan of salvation, man was evicted from the garden because of sin. God is going to restore the garden. He's going to make the earth new again. And so God is going to accomplish, you know, the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth. God's going to complete his will. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, then he wouldn't have had to, you know, uh, die on the cross and redeem the world. It would have remained a paradise as with the other unfallen worlds. So, uh, Yeah. Um, that would have been nice, <laughs> but I think it would, happened. Would have been beautiful, um, but we're here. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in a sense, when we get to uh, glory, we're going to know more about the love of God having been redeemed than uh, maybe had ever been known otherwise. But thank you, Junith. We appreciate your question. And who do we have next? Next we have Colton from Ohio. Brother Colton, you are on the air. Hi. Hi. Thanks for calling. Um, where was Satan during the flood? He was in the same place that uh, Mr. Grimes was when he fell off the cruise ship. He was probably out swimming in the... <laughs> yeah. You know, the Bible tells us Satan is a spirit. And so, you know, I don't know that he gets wet when it rains. But he was in the world. And I'm certain he feared for his existence. Because he considered himself, you know, sort of the master of this world when he kidnapped it from... Or he hijacked the planet from Adam and Eve. Dominion was originally given to Adam and Eve, or to be like the leaders of this world. And when they obeyed the devil, it says in Romans 6, whoever you obey, that's whose slave you are. Adam and Eve kind of handed the keys of the world to the devil. Jesus even calls the devil the prince of this world. When the flood happened, and the whole world was convulsed with water and earthquakes and volcanoes and 
Um, I mean, it was the, the whole planet was going through a great disruption during that time. I think Satan feared for his existence, not to mention that his kingdom among men had come to an end. So yeah, he, he was here and his angels. He maybe thought it was the end of his end. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank Col you for all you do. Yeah, well, thanks so much. And thank you for calling. You take care. Anthony from Michigan, you are on the air and you have a minute and a half. Anthony. Yeah, hi. How's your night? Doing good. How are you? All right. Do you think that we will see Cain in the New Jerusalem, brother of Abel? Okay. I don't think you'll see him in the New Jerusalem. I think you'll see him from the New Jerusalem. What I mean is there's going to be a time, it says in Matthew 25, where Jesus, the great shepherd, is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And all the saved will be gathered in the city. All the lost are outside the city. It even says, uh, Jesus and John the Baptist said to the Jews that, you know, you'll see some of the uh, Gentiles sitting down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you yourselves on the outside. So there'll be a time where the saved and lost will see who made it and who didn't. So we will see Cain. I don't think Cain, there's anything in the Bible that tells us he was redeemed. He rebelled against God. His offspring rebelled against God. They were called the sons of men and uh, they turned away. So unfortunately, uh, Cain, I believe, is going to be on the outside. And God placed a mark upon him. He became a symbol for all those yeah. who are marked in the last days with the mark of the beast. Who's next? We have Anna from Oregon. Anna, welcome to Bible Answers Live. Good evening, pastors. How are you? Good evening. Doing great. My question is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 and how it applies to the age we live in today. All right, let's read that for our friends. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive a love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what specifically, it's a lot of material there, what are you wanting to know about that verse? Um, particularly about God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Yes. You know, there's a story that I think Paul is alluding to here in the Old Testament where King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat were going to go to battle and... Uh, King Jehoshaphat, he believed in the Lord. Ahab kind of had these prophets of Baal. And Jehoshaphat said, we should ask the Lord. So Ahab had all of his prophets say, yeah, go to battle, you'll win. And it, Jehoshaphat said, uh, isn't there a prophet of God here? These are all prophets of Baal. He said, oh yeah, there's one guy, his name Micaiah, but he never says anything nice about me. And Jehoshaphat said, well, let's hear what he has to say. So they bring Micaiah. And Micaiah says, I saw a vision. And God was saying, who will persuade Ahab to go to battle against the Syrians that he might be destroyed? And one gave this idea and another gave that idea. And finally, a spirit said, I know if you're a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets, you will persuade him. God said, you will be successful. And someone was thinking, well, does God send lying spirits? I mean, isn't God about the truth? The Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil. God is just and good and true. Basically what Paul's saying here, it says, because they do not receive a love of the truth, God will send them strong delusion. 
It's simply meaning that when God withdraws his light because they're rejecting the light, then darkness automatically rushes in. And God allows it sometimes. God has angels holding back the winds of strife right now, but he'll give them the word and they will, they're going to release those winds. Satan's going to just have full sway. And even when the devil came to tempt Job, God had to basically loosen the leash of the devil to do that. So that's all he's saying here. It's the devil that does the tempting and the lying. God sometimes needs to just back up and stop preventing it. And that's 1 Kings chapter 22. Thank you. Yes. All right. Very good. Good question, Anna. Next, we have Eric from New Mexico. Eric, welcome to Bible Answers Live. You're on the air. Hi, pastors. Um, my question is, what does the Bible say on how to deal with evil spirits and what I should do when they try to have conversations with me? Yeah, if the devil's trying to tempt you, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, I, I think everybody's heard the devil try to whisper to them suggestions and temptations. And, and uh, you know, I found when I was a baby Christian, the harder I tried not to think about the devil, the more I thought about it. And it just got to where I thought, oh, he's yep. putting these thoughts in my mind. I don't want to think. And, and finally, I, I found great peace in just saying, well, admit that, you know, the devil's going to keep tempting you. Ignore it. And it, it's the kind of thing where you get good at doing it just by practice. Uh, when the devil comes, if you just ignore his suggestions and say, through the Holy Spirit, say, you know, I rebuke that. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Um, then, you, you know, you'll find peace. One way to get a bad song out of your heads, you know, sometimes I know all the old songs of the world from when I was in the world. And, you know, all you got to do is walk in the market today or go get a burrito at Chipotle and you're going to hear these old <laughs> songs and they don't always have the best message. And, and some of them, it's like a worm you get in your head and you just keep, I, you know, I'll get in the car and Karen hears me humming the song. I'm going, ah, I'm sorry. And, and the way you overcome it is you start singing a good song. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do two songs at one time. You ever try and sing two songs at once? Nope. Yeah. So same thing with the devil's putting temptation in your mind, Eric. Uh, pray. Talk to the Lord. Uh, sing a positive song. And, uh, you know, even Paul says, making melody in your heart, you can drive away those spirits. You know, when the devil was harassing Jesus, what did he do? He quoted scripture. Yeah. So memorize memorize passages. Yeah. That's one of the things that I do. I memorize some chapters, and when I have an evil thought or something weird— I just start reciting it in my brain. Quote back the scripture to the devil. Yeah, amen. The promises amen. of God. Good suggestion. Amen. Thank you, Eric. All right. Next we have Melina from Canada. Welcome, pa Pardon Melina. me one second. Eric, oh. if you're still listening, there's a book called How to Resist Our Tips for Resisting Temptation. And you'll, we'll send that to you for free. 1-800-835-6747. All right. Next we have, uh, we have Tyveon Ty from Illinois. T Tavion. Oh, Tavion. Yep, there it is. <laughs> My question is, when it comes to homosexuality, I understand that the Bible calls it an abomination. But my question is, like, why? Because I've had people, because um, I've had people more specifically homosexuals, they'll ask me, um, you know, like, you know, like, if God's love, then, like, why would he hate it? And I even lost a friendship over that. So I was just curious because that's something that even I truly don't understand. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, but God hates sin. And whenever we do anything to corrupt or pervert God's original plan, um, he calls it sin. 
Now, I know that some people will be outraged, but I think it is a fair analogy to your question to say, why does God also say it's wrong for people to have sex with animals? It's called bestiality. He says that's a sin. And a person might say, why? Well, because it's a perversion from what his plan is. And uh, homosexuality is clearly a perversion. I mean, there's no question when you read the Bible, and there's really no question in science that men and women are designed to pair up together. It's not men and men or women and women. That's not the natural order of creation. And so, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with two men or two women loving each other. Uh, David and Jonathan loved each other, but loving people and having sex with them are two different things. And so, yeah, one of them is being controlled by the lower nature to do something that is, is wrong. Uh, so, and I know this is, this is very uh, out of order with the what's politically correct to say today, but it's very clear if you go by the Bible. And if folks are troubled by that, they're going to have to take that up with God and Jesus. Yeah. So I hope that makes some sense. Yeah, I think any, anything that is that we do contrary to the will of God, whether it be sexual, whether it be socially, whatever it be, is going to bring some type of pain and suffering. And so God is avoiding that or trying to protect us from those things. And I think this falls under that category also. Yep. Thank you for right. your question. Thank you, Tavion. Next, we have Star from Michigan. Welcome, Star. You're on the air. Hi. Thank you for all you do. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Um, I have a question about angels. Um, what does the Bible say about guardian angels among us? Yeah, they're there. Uh, you can read in Psalm 91, it says, he'll give his angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. And then you can also read where the Bible tells us the angel of the Lord encamps, and I forget that verse again, the angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him and delivers them. Psalms 91. Is that also Psalm 91? Then you can read where Jesus said, their angels do always behold the face of my father, which is in heaven. Beware that you do not offend one of these little ones. So there are several references in the Bible that uh, God has angels, uh, even the devil said to God, you have set a hedge about Job. Well, that hedge is a hedge of angels that were protecting him. So yeah, God, I believe, has one or multiple angels that uh, watch over his children. And uh, I think God will send, you know, Jesus said at one point when Peter thought, I'm going to save Jesus with my sword from the Romans. Jesus said, don't you know that I could call the Father and he'd send 12 legions of angels? That's like 72,000 angels Amen. for one person. Amen. So God will send angels to guard us. Yeah, in Psalms 91, talking about the plagues, it says the angels will protect you and be around yeah, you. Yeah, and I love that story where Elisha tells his servant, he prays and says, Lord, open his eyes, and they see that Elisha and his servant in the town is protected by chariots and horses of fire. Amen. Beautiful. Thanks awesome. so much. Appreciate your question, Thank Star. You. Uh huh. God bless. All right. Next, we have uh, Kim from Michigan. Welcome, Kim. You're on the air. Hi. Hey, thank you for calling. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad I got through. So I have a question. I was reading in Matthew 27 and uh, the resurrection um, when Jesus had given up, had cried out. And uh, in 52 and 53, it says, 
And the graves were opened, Mm -hmm. and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Yes. So, and I, um, so, you know, in, in Revelation, it talks about when the dead in Christ shall rise. So is this is a prelude, obviously, to the dead in Christ rising in, in Revelation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, uh, you notice it doesn't say everybody are all the righteous rise, because that happens, First Thessalonians chapter 4, yeah, when the Lord many. descends. Yeah, so there was a trophy. Uh, Jesus led captivity captive and uh, gave gifts unto men. He took a trophy with him to heaven, and they didn't come out of their graves. So there was an earthquake that opened the graves at his death, but they didn't come out of mm-hmm. his graves until after he rose victorious, and he right, led. Right, because it says after his resurrection. Correct. So you know maybe some of the prophets like Isaiah or some of the others that died in and around Jerusalem wasn't all of them because in Acts chapter two Peter says David is dead and buried; his tomb is still with us to this day. So David hadn't raised yet. But some of them, a small group. One reason we think it was also a small group is because um, none of the other gospel writers mention this. Right. I, you know, I think if 10,000 people came out of their graves around Jerusalem, it would have been mentioned by every gospel writer. But just Matthew mentions it because there was a testimony of some people that saw many of the ancient saints that had appeared. They probably only appeared to believers, just like Jesus after his resurrection were they resurrected like with Jesus? Like meaning were like were they resurrected to heaven? Yeah, they he took them to heaven with him. They didn't have to die again. So they ascended when Christ ascended. Yeah. That's why they in the feast days, the third feast was the uh, feast of the uh first, first fruits. fruits. Yeah. And that is the first fruits that Christ, when he ascended to heaven, showed to brought with to him. heaven and said, Look, these they're the the shape and t- type and shadows of those that will be resurrected all at the end. So. Yep. Thank you, Kim. Good, good question. Okay. All right. You have a good evening. All right. Next, we have Donna from Florida. Donna, welcome to Bible Answers Live. Good evening. Um, I have two questions. Let's take them one at a time. The first question is, what happens to those who are left behind when Jesus carries up when Jesus carries up some of us and for the 10 years. Okay, so for those who are left behind when we are caught up to heaven, uh, you know, it's not going to be good at all. Uh, you read in 2 Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord, I think this starts at verse 10, will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And Peter goes on to say, seeing then that all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking forward to the coming of the day of God in which the heavens being on fire will be dissolved and the elements will melt with fervent heat. So when God's people are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, Bible tells us that part of the last plague is uh, great hailstones, an earthquake such as there never has been before, and there's going to be fire and smoke, it's gonna, the earth is going to be consumed. So life does not go on on earth when Jesus comes to catch up the saints. Uh, so I hope that helps a little bit. Don, I don't think we can take your second question. God bless, friends. Out of time. 
Support the ministry. We thank you. We'll be studying again together next week. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live, honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions.